Welcome back to Glow Says Let's Talk Local. Today's show is the last one of season three, which is all about local icons and innovators in the greater Vancouver area. I'm a local too, a local busy mom who is time challenged, off trend, never quite put together, but still ever curious and always interested in the pretty and poppin' new businesses that I notice while running from point A to point B and searching all the while for a good deal while still demanding quality at the same time. Your continued listenership helps me to continue connecting in this community, finding out these things, sharing about what they do, and then tell you what I appreciate about them. But most of all, I like their stories. Thanks for lending me your ears. I appreciate all your reviews too. Please continue to leave me some on Apple or Spotify. Today, I spoke to Susan Wong Lim and Jesse Kumagai, who are the co-directors of the Gene Lyons School of Music, which I think is a hidden gem of a music school right here in Vancouver. It's a community within a community that specializes in teaching. What is a hidden gem? It refers to something very outstanding, but not enough people know about that thing. I think this perfectly describes Gene Lyons School of Music. Everyone needs to know about this place. I like how the directors focused on Jean Lyons' story. As a single Canadian woman in the 1960s, eighth-generation Canadian apparently, she was a confident and classy trailblazer who, while teaching piano, also taught children and young people the basics of civility, etiquette, and respect. Anyone who spent time around her could absorb her philosophy and her ways just by watching her, understanding her expectations, and observing how she built this music school as an actual community. This is her legacy. She was my piano teacher too. I'm glad I get to share her story with you today. Okay, good morning everyone. It's great to be back and today I am speaking to Susan Lim and Jesse Kumagi. Did I say that right, Jesse? Uh, Kumagai. <laughs> Kumagai. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Jesse Kumagai. That sounds so much more authentic. <laughs> Welcome to the show. They are from Jean Lyon School of Music and they will give a little introduction about who each of them are and what they do. Good morning and welcome here. Good morning, Gloria. Thank you for having us here. I'm Susan Wong Lim, principal, teacher, and director. I have a Bachelor of Music with a major in piano performance. And I've been with the music school for first as a student and then as a teacher and principal. Nice to have you here. Actually, you're the second person I've interviewed now that started as a student and then eventually became the principal. <laughs> so <laughs> that means it must be a good place that you're part of. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> How about you, Jesse? Hi, good morning. Happy to be here. My name's Jesse Kumagai, and I'm also a teacher at the Gene Line School of Music. Like Susan, I started out as a student and then eventually became a teacher, and now I'm also one of the directors there. I earned two of my piano performance diplomas, my ARCT and LRSM, while studying at the music school. But then I went on and got my bachelor's in business administration. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and Susan, did we talk about what you got your bachelor's of music in, what the specialization was in? Uh, it was in piano performance. This was at UBC. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so you're a pianist and Jesse, you're a pianist as well. Yes. Yes. Because the school we're talking about today specializes in piano performance. We specialize in teaching piano 
mainly classical and of course all the theoretical subjects that go along with that but we also do jazz piano we have a very fine jazz musician uh, Victor Noriega who is on our faculty okay okay great so you can learn a bit of everything there good (laughs) and all the theory I didn't realize that too that's great to know okay so why don't you guys tell me a little bit about the school for people who haven't heard about it Jean Lyons School of Music Who's Jean Lyons? Who's it named after? Yes, Jean Lyons was my piano teacher. She was very well known in Vancouver in the music community. The school was officially incorporated in 1963, which makes us Vancouver's oldest music school that is still running. Jean Lyons, she was born in Vancouver. She told me she was eighth generation Canadian. Her family moved to Powell River, where her father became the director and chief surgeon of the local hospital. And since she was 10, she knew she would be going into music. So after high school, she went to Toronto, and that's where all the action was, after all. And the list of teachers that she had reads like the who's who of music in Canada. At that time, Sir Ernest McMillan was the head of the conservatory. He was the dean of music at the University of Toronto, conductor of the TSO, uh, Toronto Symphony Orchestra. And so that was a major influence. And her piano teacher that she worked with was Alberto Guerrero, who later became well known for being the teacher of Glenn Gould. And Healy Willen, a famous uh, Canadian composer, was also a teacher there. And her good friend and classmate was Jeffrey Rideout, who also later became a very celebrated composer. And he later proofread her first book on harmony. Ms. Lyons wrote a lot of books on harmony, theory, counterpoint, all these things to prepare students for RCM exams. And after her studies in Toronto, she went to Seattle's Corner School, where she studied with Stephen Balog who had been a pupil of Bartok and Kodai. So it's like there's a a line that we could trace back to all her influences, not just influences, but her major teachers. Then she came back to Powell River, started teaching, but then she would commute to Vancouver twice a week to teach here as well, starting in 1951. Eventually, she chose to just remain in Vancouver. So the first studio was on Robson Street and then Granville Street, back to Robson Street and then Hastings, Pender, always downtown and in buildings that were eventually demolished to make way for the big high rises that we see now. So we were always downtown until the move to South Granville in the 90s. Taking lessons at the school was really more than just piano lessons. Uh, Miss Lines formed classes for various age groups. There was piano play for the 68-year-olds, studio club for 9 to 11-year-olds, piano class for 12 to 14-year-olds, where students would come once a month to play for each other, play some musical games to learn some peripheral knowledge, and really more of a social setting because taking piano lessons is very much a solo thing. You go and have your lesson and that's it. But being with other kids your age who are also doing the same thing, it was, I don't know, at the time we may feel not very much, you know, kids, we don't really know how to socialize too well. But I think we form some lifelong friendships. I still have a very good friend whom I still often keep in touch with from 
having gone through our piano studies together. So all these classes were free for students to participate in. There were ensemble classes, monthly studio recitals. So it was a very enriched environment, not just piano lessons. And then there was a twice uh, biennial gala concert. That was a big affair. And students were chosen to perform. Students would have to go through the process of auditions in front of a jury of all the teachers. Mm-hmm. And if they're chosen, then they have to come to two rehearsals on Sunday afternoons before the recital, which for many years were held at the Vancouver Playhouse, at that time called Queen Elizabeth Playhouse. Mm. So this was an invaluable experience for the students. Most of the students didn't go on to a career in music, but at least they have gone through this experience so that they know what all is involved. And Ms. Lyons was a great proponent of Canadian music. She encouraged all of us to learn music by Canadian composers, and we were also encouraged to compose. There'd be composition contests. Of course, she'd guide the students in developing their ideas. In fact, one of her students became one of Canada's preeminent composers, Alexina Louis, who considers Miss Lyons to be a pivotal figure in her life. And Alexina says that she had a way of asking the best of you, and you want to live up to her standards. So I think that is her gift for being able to bring the best out of the students. And Ms. Lyons' education philosophy didn't just stop at teaching piano or music. She taught us life skills. I remember after receiving a scholarship from the festival, she would tell me how to write a thank you note, how to address the envelope, and then if I met her friends, how to say how do you do, Miss so-and-so, shake hands, all these things. And accompanying me to the music festivals, I didn't always come first, of course. So she would say, go up to the winner and congratulate them. So this was good sportsmanship and teaching us how to deal with failures and successes. So these are all valuable lessons that we just sort of absorbed and gained from being with her. And Jesse, do you remember when you didn't smile, she paid you a dollar? <laughs> yes, <laughs> she did. She taught us, you know, how to bow, how to dress, not to have our hair covering our face when we performed, and remember to smile. So these were lifelong lessons, maybe not just to do with music, but something that we carry on with us. And she was an ethical person. I remember one time the adjudicator at the festival was a a friend of hers. So she told me, I won't be sitting with you because that might affect both ways. And she would not be using a book that would have her name just so that there was no conflict of interest at all. Mm -hmm. So she was reading the example of an upright citizen, a caring human being besides being a brilliant teacher. Mm. And another thing was, Ms. Lyons was involved in a lot of volunteer work. She was one of the founding members of the BC branch of the Canadian Music Competition and worked tirelessly for many years and got all the teachers involved as well, all of us at the music school. In the Kiwanis Music Festival, she noticed that some students were in classes with wrong repertoire and were disqualified or there was misspellings, misprints in the program. So she offered to go through all the entries to check for mistakes and got all of us teachers involved as well. When I was still in my 20s, she took me to the Vancouver Women's Musical Society recitals, and I have since become their concert chair for many years. 
So she sort of invited us to join these various organizations and volunteer our time. I'm just curious about the background a bit more. When she started the school, did she start it herself? Yes, it was just herself. I think she bought a piano for $100 and she started teaching. So it was a studio and then she invited another teacher. So there were maybe two teachers, three teachers altogether. But they sort of came and went. And then later on, some of her students became teachers as well. That's how she grew. So now we have 12 teachers and we have about a dozen instruments. Okay. Wow. I mean, back in the 60s, that was not an easy thing to do for a solo person, let alone, I think, a woman back then (laughs) on her Mm -hmm. own. And she was running a school, which is a business, too. It's Mm -hmm. not just teaching. You have to run the school. What an amazing accomplishment. That's amazing. (laughs) Did Mm -hmm. she herself do any compositions? And did she continue to perform herself after she started teaching? No, she encouraged us to play duets and two pianos and so on. And she wrote a lot of books on teaching theory, which needed to be revised every few years because the conservatory changed their requirements. And a lot of other music teachers of other instruments sent their students to our school for theory. Okay. Yeah. She definitely was, I think, the ultimate educator, right? She was good at teaching and it was a whole person kind of thing. Yes, yes. Not just piano. (laughs) Anything else? Is there something else that we wouldn't know about her otherwise? Who was her favorite composer? Do we know? (laughs) I think she lists many composers. She also championed the less performed composers. She gave a scholarship or a silver platter for Kiwanis for awarding the best performance of Scarlatti. Because at that time, it was not performed that much. She tried to champion Canadian composers. Uh, That was a very worthwhile endeavor. But she really supported not only her own students, the students of the school, but also any other deserving students. I have come across people, for example, I saw Angela Hewitt after a concert one time, and she said, oh, she remembered Miss Lyons always being there at the Canadian Music Competition, Angela Hewitt, when she was still in her teens, quite young. Miss Lyons would always go in and talk to her. And so she really supported whoever was deserving. Right. She was an amazing person for sure. (laughs) I do remember the whole championing Canadian artists or Canadian musicians like composers. So I'm going to guess that if she had a playlist today, it would probably be full of Canadian composers. (laughs) Yes. And actually through her influence is one of Canada's major composers and Alexina Louis. And she really credits Miss Lyons being her mentor and supporting her through all the years, from a child on to who she is today. What does she do today for the listeners? She wrote a lot of not just piano pieces. She dedicated her first book of piano pieces to Miss Lyons, but she is a writer of symphonies, of orchestral music, operas. She's composer in residence at the National Arts Center. So she still produces a lot of music. Wow, amazing. It's good for people to know that, actually, because I think the Canadian composers, we don't know them as much. Actually, just generally, I think everyone's more listening to popular music, <laughs> probably. <laughs> so it's good yeah. to know about them. Yeah. 
great. It's good to know that history and to know that she is the oldest music school in Vancouver. I'm not sure I knew that, but since I did just interview the Vancouver Academy of Music, I think they said 69 and you said she was 63. So that's right. And it's still. She was when it was incorporated as a school. Okay. okay. But it was, actually, she had a school even before that. Well, then, yeah. It sounds like she was teaching herself. Yeah. And where's mm-hmm. the school located right now? Right now we're at 73 East 7th Avenue okay. in the Pleasant area, yeah. which is becoming a very trendy area. Lots of arts in that district. Yeah. Is there a reflection of who comes to the school? Are there younger families in that community that find the school, know about it, and go there? Yes. We are like a hidden gem in Vancouver. We don't do a lot of advertising. It's mostly word of mouth. Some people do find us on the website somehow. Of course, our students start when they're young. So it would be young families. And now there are many families in that area. But we have students who come from far away as well. And it's always very heartwarming to me when our former students come back with their children. So it's like we have generations of students at the school. Not too many places like it, for sure. And I like that it's a niche, right? It really specializes in piano education, not just general. So mm-hmm. you're kind mm-hmm. of more committed <laughs> to that instrument from the beginning. And you yeah. can learn everything about it. Yeah. Yes. And I think a lot of former students are out in Vancouver amongst us because sometimes I go somewhere and I come across somebody. I was at a wedding reception and somebody came up and said hi to me. And it was a former student, not my student, but at the school. And she married her husband. They met at UBC, but he also used to be an alumni. So they they found out afterwards that they both studied piano. Right. School of Music. Nice. Okay, good. And Jesse, are you going to tell us a little bit more about what's happening with the school today? It's nice to know the history, but today yeah, I think sure. a dozen teachers, right, or so? Yeah. I've been with the school literally my entire life. I guess you could say I was born into the school. So my mom, who is also a piano teacher, was one of the earlier teachers. And she had already been teaching at the school for a number of years by the time I was born. In fact, I think she told me that Miss Lyons was the first person to visit me in the hospital when I was born. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, so my mom is still a teacher at the school. She teaches a few students there still and is, in fact, celebrating 50 years of being at the school this year. So it's been a long time. But of course, I started there as a student at a young age. And, you know, I have a lot of fond memories of all the classes and friends that I made there. Um, A lot of the studio club, piano play, some of the things that Susan had mentioned earlier, I was a part of all of that. And then I started teaching part-time on my own at home when I was 15. And I've been teaching part-time since, you know, throughout university. I started teaching at the school in 1995. Hmm. And about five or six years later, also became a director. And I've been at the school since. I've had other jobs since then. I'm actually also a wedding planner right now. But all this time, I've been a part of the school. So I've literally been connected to the school my entire life. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Yeah. 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 So for the school itself, I mean, in terms of where it is today, I mean, I think what really sets us apart from other places is our rich history, which I think, you know, Susan dove quite deeply into there. And I think one of the most important things is the sense of community that we have there too, 
because as she mentioned, you know, learning piano can be more of a solo thing. It can be a lonely thing. So I think the school has done a lot in terms of trying to foster an environment where the students can socialize with each other, get to know each other, know that other kids the same age as them are doing the same things and things like that. We have a wonderful faculty, 12 teachers now, some of who have been with us for many years, like my mom and other newer additions as well. Our teachers are very collaborative and we share a lot of ideas and we work together versus just each teacher renting their own studio and just teaching their own students. Mm. We work together. We're like a family. We all care for the students. And I think we volunteer a lot of our time to help with the school's activities too. We help with the recitals. We organize various school activities. And we also share in the joy of success when, you know, our students achieve something great in music. Mm. We sometimes sub for each other too when we can't be there for a lesson. So we also yeah. get to know each other's students. But in general, I think there's just a huge wealth of experience across our teachers. And yeah. we're like a support network for each other. And right. there's a really strong sense of camaraderie there. And I think that makes the school really special. All our studios there are beautiful. We have a beautiful space with a lot of studios and they're fairly good sized studios with a lot of natural light windows, grand pianos in each one. So yeah, I mean, like Susan said, it's like we're a hidden gem in Vancouver. <laughs> I agree. I think so. It's definitely a community school. It's open to the community. But let me ask you a little bit about that. When students come in and do they mostly come in when they're young? And is there any assessment process for them to come join the school? So most of our students that come and join the school come at a young age. We do have some students that have already learned music or taken piano lessons elsewhere, and then they're kind of intermediate level, and then they join our school. But I would say for the most part, they're younger ones. So when there's an interest in our school and a new inquiry, they'll generally meet with Susan, who will do a little sort of interview with them to kind of assess where their level is at, mm -hmm. talk to them about what their goals are in learning music, and try to find a good fit between matching the student up to one of our teachers. You know, right. And that's based on sort of just fit, like personality, and also availability of course, lesson times and all that kind right, of stuff. Right, right. I'm curious too, since both of you have been associated with the school for so long, what's the difference between a 10-year-old student 20 years ago versus a 10-year-old music student now? I think kids these days are a lot busier <laughs> than they were back then or 10 or 20 years ago. I feel like back when I was taking music lessons, you know, we tended to really focus on one thing. Like if you did piano, piano was your thing. Or if you did ballet or dance, that was your thing, right? Mm -hmm. Kids these days, I find are exposed to so many different activities. And so sometimes that ends up meaning less time in terms of what they're able to commit to music studies. So I think as a school, we've had to adapt to that as that's kind of like been a changing thing, right? As the years have gone by. And yeah. as a school, we've had to adapt to it by creating new programs or classes to try and keep the kids involved and motivated, right? To be participants in the school. So. Right. Have you ever seen, because of that lack of time commitment, does that interfere then with how far you think they could go? Like certain students that you've seen? It can. I mean, really, if one thing I would probably tell them today is that music is something that can be a lifelong learning process. It's not just about instant gratification. It's not like a quick course that you can take, finish it in a certain amount of time, get a certificate and boom, you're done. It's not about getting the highest mark in an exam or winning the biggest competition or even just learning how to read notes and play certain songs. I think it's more about 
trying to get the students to develop a real appreciation and enjoyment for music. You know, no matter how far your music studies take you, hopefully they learn that appreciation and that's something that can hopefully last them a lifetime. Right. right? It's good advice yeah. for learning music today. Yeah. And, yeah. Just- and there's a lot of other lifelong skills I think that come with learning music. Like commitment is of course key, which is why time is an important aspect of that. Like anything else in life, practice makes progress, right? And I think the self-directed discipline and time management skills that come with music training are obviously valuable skills that can be applied to all areas of one's life. Right. And the school still incorporates opportunities for performance too, right? To be in front All of- the time. All yeah. the time. We have monthly studio recitals, or we did pre-COVID. We still have monthly recitals now, but they're actually on YouTube. Mm. So, I mean, I would say technology is sort of another thing that has come into play a lot, especially in the last year, not only because of time, but because of COVID, we are now offering both virtual online and in-person lessons, dependent on the student and teacher, what they're comfortable with. Of course, the in-person lessons are with safety protocols in place and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, there's performances that people can watch or enjoy from home. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of our monthly recitals, which we always used to have in our Chopin studio, which is our bigger room in the school, we would have different teachers volunteer each month to run those recitals. And they would always be on a Saturday afternoon from about three to six, there'd be like three short recitals. And it just offered the students a great opportunity for them to perform in front of an audience. And because it was in a small, intimate setting, I think it wasn't quite as daunting for the kids. And we even had Suzuki or beginner recitals for like the really little ones. And those were always really fun whole family would come and it's a great experience. I mean, it's something that's been there, I think, from the very beginning at the music school and something we've chosen to carry on because it's been such a positive experience. And because of COVID now, the students are actually just recording performances either at home or in the school, sending them into the school, and then we're putting them all together into a monthly YouTube recital presentation. Oh, that's nice. Okay. And it's your Jean Lyon School of Music? Yes. Okay. And for a young family, just going back to that, when they enter the school, their kids can start learning Suzuki, is it? Or I think I've noticed they have play groups or music groups for younger kids too. Yeah. So for the very young kids, before they go on to actual private piano lessons, we have our music movement and do you remember what it's called? (laughs) (laughs) They're music and movement classes. They're for preschool age children, basically. And even some that are for mom and me, like baby and like like zero to two years babies with their moms, right? Those ones are run by Holly Duff, one of our faculty, and she's great with the young ones. And then usually if they want to continue on with piano studies, then they'll move on to private piano lessons after that. Yes. Okay. So what do you guys think for the future? Do you guys talk about the continuation of the school? You know, I mean, the school's been around for such a long time. We have such a rich history. And I think moving forward, our long-term goal is basically to keep the same core values that we've had. You know, Mm -hmm. like Susan mentioned, one of the nicest things to see is when we see the families and our alumni coming back and bringing their kids to study music at our school. That's something we hope to continue. How about you, Susan? Any other thoughts? You were asking about when students come into the school. They come in as youngsters, but they grow. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of our students do carry on to the diplomas. In fact, Jesse just had a student who got 95% on his diploma exam with the London College. So we do have 
the advanced ones, and there are students who come in at the intermediate level or even more advanced because they are seeking a better teacher, better education. So we do have those as well. But most of the time, they come in as little ones, and then they grow with us. So the range of our students would be from four to about eighteen, but we do have some in their seventies and eighties as well. Oh, that, oh, that's nice. Well, maybe you can address that a bit. What is that for someone who's listening and who's just starting to have children and is wondering what a piano education looks like? What is this diploma? What program is it that you actually follow? Is it the Jean Lyon School of Music program? Any program or method is as good as the teacher. So. The excellence of teaching with the teachers in our school is really what makes it, and they will choose the program that best suits the student. Every child is different, so with some Suzuki just doesn't work, and they are much better off with learning to read right from the start. So I think most of our teachers are experienced with teaching all kinds of students, so they will choose the one that's the best. So even from the same teacher, you would not have every student doing exactly the same thing. So it's really tailored to every child. In general, we have a lot of tools at hand. Performance opportunities is one thing, but taking exams, going into competitions, these are all tools that we use. So we do follow broadly the RCM, Royal Conservatory of Music. That's the main system that most people follow in Canada. And so it's a graded system. They can take exams and then up to a certain level, then theory is also required so that each student gets a well-rounded education in music. And then there are 10 grades with a diploma at the end. That's the ARCT, Associateship with the Royal Conservatory in Toronto. And from there, they can move on to studying music in university if they choose. Yes. Is there an age that it's too late to learn piano if you want to major in it? I know it's never too late to learn anything, but (laughs) if you want Uh, to major in it. Nowadays, people tend to start younger and younger, four years old. And so some people think, oh, six years old, you're already so old. But no, eight years old is fine too. It really depends on the motivation of the student. But, you know, in past generations, people didn't start until they were seven or eight. Right. Okay. Well, summer's coming. What happens in the summer at the music school? Does it get quiet or does it get busy? (laughs) For example. Nowadays, people actually want lessons in the summer. Once upon a time, summer was time for holiday. But now we have parents who, any holiday, I'm sure a lot of young parents know that, spring break, winter break, you know, there are camps, right? There are intensive whatever every day of the week to fill up their time. So in the summer, Some students want to carry on with lessons or they want to do their exam because now they have more time to practice. So there still is a lot of activity. And then we have a history class that goes on in the summertime, which is also intensively for four days a week so that they can prepare for their exam in one month's time. So there are things that happen in the summer. But with this summer, we're probably not going to be holding big classes. Right. But there's still something. And that would be music history. That's music history. Yes. And that's the thing. I guess for the listeners, theory is comprised of musical history. Learning about composers' lives and their backgrounds, their their style and some of their words. But really, there's also social history involved because that's really all tied in. So 
if you send your child to learn piano, you actually get more than you bargain for. Because, you know, when they have gone through all these other courses as well, I remember going to an art museum. First time I went to Europe. Well, actually, a lot of things about composers, now I'm seeing it in the artists, it all ties in. And I think students realize that, oh, what I'm learning in social studies. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there's a link. So it's just another facet, really, of social history. Yeah. I think that was well put. Everyone now likes to look for connections on how everything's connected. That is Mm -hmm. a perfect way to put it. Anyway, thank you both so much for your time today. I appreciate knowing a bit about this hidden gem. I agree with you. I think the Gene Line School of Music is a hidden gem and that more people should know about and seek out on 7th Avenue, right? Near Olympic Village there. Yes. And yes. Do you want to have our yes. social... I'll put all the links to all your socials <laughs> down below. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Okay, great. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah. Thanks for having and- us. Thanks, Susan and Jesse, for your time, your stories, and for continuing this legacy of the Jean Lyons School of Music. Although Miss Lyons is no longer with us, she was a real icon and innovator in the world of education and music right here in the greater Vancouver area. If you are interested in learning music at all, or any of your children, please find this school. It's an excellent place to learn. Next week, I'm going to upload the most downloaded show of season three. Then there will be a one-week break for the Canada Day and the 4th of July weekend. I hope you can catch up with some of my past episodes then. There were two weeks this season where I uploaded two shows per week for Thomas Haas and Leslie Stowe. After that, I'll start my summer pop episodes, which I'm excited to release. That season will include a local author, an urban sketch artist, a director, a TV producer restaurateur, and several other unique and niche entrepreneurs. Vancouver is brimming with creative types. Tune in to listen to Summer Popisodes. And the last bit I want to share with you is to tell you it's official. I'm now on LinkedIn and Facebook too. I probably hang out in the Instagram space the most, but you can find me at all the socials in between the episodes. Meanwhile, follow me at Glow Says on Apple or Spotify, and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>